Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know what I did before I recorded this? I walked down the street and I lifted up my shirt to reveal my bollocks. Somebody said, what are you doing? And I didn't get arrested or anything. And then I came in here and I said, well, I'm actually just on my way to record a podcast and talk bollocks. Of course, the name is a little bit fun, but I just really must stress that bollocks boxer shorts are just serving a purpose to remind men to check themselves every time they pull those boxer shorts up. That's why the brand was started. Really good quality boxer shorts, extremely comfortable, really stylish in loads of different colours and you can use the discount code BARMYARMY to get your 10% off at at www.mybollocks.co.uk and first class Barmy Army members can enjoy even further discounts by logging into their members section on barmyarmy.com and by the way, you know if you do want to see a funny video of me flashing my bollocks on YouTube just go to the Barmy Army YouTube channel It'll all make sense on there. (laughs) Let's get into the podcast where I'll be talking bollocks. Hello and welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. Thank you for all the lovely comments and also the entries into our India Series tickets competition. But there's only one place to start, lads. As we record this podcast, England have gone 1-0 up in India. 11 out of 10 performance from the lads. Um, And also 218 out of 10 for Joe Root as well in that first innings in Chennai. As ever, hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm James Gregg. I'm joined by Jack Brooks, a claimant of 475 first-class wickets and Somerset seam wow. bowler. Um, and also... Um, That's a badger, aren't you? Yeah, well, too right I am. You've got to be. You've got to be. Yeah. You know, just backing my pals up. Also, Chris Millard, who's a man who's got several 4am starts under his belt in the last few weeks. Uh, that's your stats, Chris. Doesn't sound quite as good as four hundred and seventy-five first class wickets. It? <laughs> it doesn't, does it? Um, I'll take that. I didn't put my dressing gown on at four a.m. for five days. <laughs> Cheers, lads. <laughs> Look, be- before we get into our bumper episode, because this one is a, like a proper episode. It's one of our favourite guests to think that we've had on uh, the podcast series. What a win for England, um, Chris! You were getting up. I think you're probably more qualified than both myself and Brooksy because you've watched more cricket than. Probably most people in the country, actually, um, in the last mm. few weeks. Um, I mean, what what a series win that is! Incredible, mate. Just just to beat India, the first Test match in Chennai. They haven't lost there for twenty two years. For England to go there is just absolutely incredible. For the for the whole team to have to have do, really done something during the game. From obviously Rooty leading the line with a double double hundred making him the most ridiculous cricketer of the year so far and the hot favourite for sports personality of the year. Um, should have got on him early, lads. But um, but no, it was, a, it was an amazing test and it was great to see such confidence um, through, the, through the England team, like we were saying off air, just to watch Leachy um, get a bit of treatment in the first innings. But um, to bounce back the way he did shows a real character, doesn't it? And then how can we avoid talking about Sir Jimmy Anderson with that unbelievable over you had to be up early to watch but everyone who was was very thankful and it will be replayed loads of times around the world so um just just 
Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. So good. Brooksy as well. You must be so pleased for Leachy. I mean, your teammate, obviously, he was on the podcast what, a couple of weeks ago with us, and he was he could see her. He, you know, he was quietly confident, I think. But, I mean, you, have you spoke to him? What, what's he said? Because he must be just brimming with confidence now. Yeah, I, I certainly think the way he's bowled and the wickets in the second innings, his confidence has, got, has gone through the roof. I was texting him um, last night after the game. Um, and he was saying to us a couple of weeks ago that it's, it's just going to take a bit of time that with, in terms of lack of cricket and, and wickets and performing. Um, he's a little bit rusty still because he knows what he's capable of, but he has got high standards. Um, and he works so hard. And I'm just really, really chuffed for him how well he bowled in the game and got his rewards on the second innings, didn't he? Bowled some absolute seeds as well, didn't he, to get, um, was it Pajara and uh, and Rohit? Yeah. The balls he got with them. Um, like he's a match winner for England in, in fourth innings. He's done it so often for Somerset. He knows what he's doing. Um, but it's test cricket. I mean, he's didn't, it's, no one has it easy all the time. I know Rooty's making test cricket look incredibly easy, <laughs> like, making it look like he's playing against under nines this year, isn't he? But um, test cricket is, you know, it's a true test of your skill and patience over a long period of time. And, you know, Rishabh Pant going after him and absolutely clubbing him everywhere. I mean, that's ballsy. You, can, you can't do that every game all day. It's just going to go up in the air. You're going to run past one, aren't you? But... <clears throat> For um, Felici, I mean, that's a small test, really, as well, Felici, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of what he has to deal with on a on a day-to-day basis with his Crohn's. He's had sepsis. He's had his action remodelled. Um, you know, he's been tested in far bigger ways than just getting whacked around a career ground. <laughs> um, so that's something you can enjoy the challenge from and bounce back from. But, I mean, what can we say about Ruti? Like, one of the newspapers gave him a 9 out of 10 for the, for the match. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What more could he have done? Like even his fault in the second innings was played with his yeah. piece, wasn't it? So um, <laughs> he's next level. He's, he's fielding like he took that world. Should have declared early though, shouldn't he? Oh, well, don't even get me blooming started. Should we let Greggy loose on this? Don't even get me started. You know what? I'm, I'm not getting. No, come on. We're in a good mood here, lads. Now, I understand where Greggy's coming from with with the little rant he had on Twitter about this. Yeah, and I enjoyed it because it's I enjoy people ranting and in Twitter and. I try not to get drawn into it. And there's obviously so many opinions flying around. It's like ourselves, isn't it? Everyone's got one and everyone suddenly becomes um, an unbelievable bastion of knowledge. Um, but when you've got high profile people sort of suggesting England were being too cautious and drifting a little bit. So at the same time, these guys are there in the, in the game, in the seeing at the pitch, um, making yeah. sure that A, they don't want to lose the game. It's a great opportunity to win the game. And yes, if India had blocked out the last day, you'd think oh, it was a wasted opportunity. But that pitch was never going to get better. It was never going to be easy to bat on. No. Um, and when you put that much pressure on a team for a whole game, it takes it out of them. And you know what I really enjoyed, Brooksy, was, look, you know, and also going back to that, opinions are absolutely fine. And that's that's great. Have an opinion. Here he goes. No, genuinely. He goes. He's off, right. Right. <laughs> genuinely, have an opinion as much as you want. That's not that you know. A lot of people tweeting me yesterday. Go, oh, you're not allowed an opinion anymore. Well, no, of course you are. You can have an, as much an opinion as you want. It's the way you express it. That's the thing that I really took issue with. A lot of people were saying rubbish, Captain C. Negative. Never going to do anything if he's like that. I'm like, hang on. Just let the test match finish first until you yeah. start saying ridiculous things like that. So that's. Absolutely. That that was one that was one thing, um, but you know, I don't know. Look, anyway, that's we're not going to go into all that. But that's that, that's fine. That's that's the thing. But also, <laughs> we just we just did. <laughs> also, I know, I know. You know what we did. We've but, already gone into it. I'll just finish off with Rooty. Final words for Rooty on this because Rooty actually in his post game talk sport interview, you might have seen this. He just said, "Well." I'd spent more time out there in the middle than anybody else. So I knew what the wicket was doing better than anybody else. So leave it down to me. And I thought that was quite... It was a, a, a mic drop moment without dropping anything, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he, he said it quite <laughs> casually. He didn't say it in, with the kind of venom that I've just delivered it with. But it was just, you know, I just thought that was quite telling. Um, so that was... Well, re- look, it was just a great win, wasn't it? Just yeah. to divulge from, away from the... Um, the issue that was a re- uh, all over Twitter for a couple of days. Mm. But it, what, isn't it great that so many people are also watching it on Channel 4? It's amazing that Test Cricket is. And what are your thoughts on Channel 4, lads? Because I thought um, <laughs> it was a little bit chip shot, but at the same time, it was a breath of fresh air. 
But I'll tell you Sky, what. There's, there's no one better than Sky. Sky do it so well. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And they've got some of the best people what, in the game, yeah. the studio, and everything they do around it. Then the Channel 4 studio did seem a little bit chip shot, but Cookie <laughs> was quality. Rishi Fassad was, was good. Um, yeah, Strauss sort of zooming in every now and then. Yeah, they had Monty on. There's just the difference. Yeah, I think it'd be between. good if they had someone else in the studio. Um, but I mean, it was double the amount of viewers, wasn't it, than normal? I think it was over a million people watching rather than sort of 500,000. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it depends on who, what catch, what sort of age of people are and who's watching. Um, but I don't mind it. I mean, every now and then I think it's good to have some from free to air. But Sky if anything else, it makes you realize how good of a job Sky do. And it makes you realize how educated and how good NASA, Athers, Wardy, Keys, Bumble are at the job. And just listening to the commentary, obviously it's Star Sports that's streaming it, but the difference between Atherton and Hussein debating what's going on in the game and having unbelievable knowledge just makes everyone so much more understanding of what's going on. And I think that was missed a little bit. But um, it, well, look, it's one of them. It's 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 much much better that half a million people in the country are watching the game. Yeah, exactly. No matter what the production's like. Great, so. great game as well. It was such a good game of cricket. Obviously, it was one of England's best ever test wins, probably. But the series mm. is really going to be shooting up now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Great advert. Great advert for the game. And uh, like we did say, like Chris said about Jimmy Anderson, absolutely amazing. Never ceases to amaze, does he? But look, talking of fast bowlers, let's get into our podcast then. So Before we do, though, Greggy, I will just um, cut in because we have had a little bit of interaction. Oh, right. On, Perfect. Uh, We'll read it out. That there was a put forth. It was this was this was what? for the last Sri Lanka test, but it's only just come through. There was a cat that was up at four thirty a.m. every day, and she hasn't missed one day yet. It was sent in by Michelle Holmes up watching the game. They listened to the podcast as well. Um, obviously, a very invested um, cricketing Barmy Army cat. So Michelle Holmes, <laughs> nice one. Um, and the only other shout out we've got it we want to give this week is for Carl who went on his afternoon walk and had a listen to us Muppets with the um, Leechie and the Bessie pod. And he went on an exactly perfectly timed 51-minute walk, which I think was the, pretty much the full episode. So, nice one, Carl. Nice one. We've got any, anybody out there with dogs or goldfish that want to shout out next time as well? That'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Michelle, and uh, with your cat, and also to Carl as well. Thanks for listening. And um, you can just get in, in touch with us, info at barmyarmy.com, or just send us a tweet or a DM or whatever it may be. Um, look, we need to get into the pod because this is a bloody good guest. Well done, Chris, for sort of getting some help and sorting all this out. Do you know why I did that, Greggy? Because when we were sat there once, we were having a little chat, us three, off air, and Brooksy just went, oh, you know my dream guest would be? If you could do this, I'd be grateful forever. It would be my life made if you could get me an hour on Zoom with this man. Oh, it would be so good. Brooksy's just like starstruck about this bloke. So I'll let you say who it is, but i just you like put, to say You put Brooksy, a little bit of mayo on that, but... Um... <laughs> Basically, Brooksy, you owe me a pint. Well, you've, you've, yeah, you've put a little bit of tax on that, but... Um, he is obviously one of my um, top men in cricket to, who I grew up watching. He's an icon, legend, just a top man. Um, yeah, and he's one of the few people in cricket I'd probably be a little bit starstruck with. I'd love to have a beer with him and talk talk more, but we had a fantastic chat with him for the pod, so hopefully the listeners enjoy it. Well, let's get into it. It's Alan Donald, White Lightning. And by the way, Brooksy, he was fond of you. He was really sort of complimentary about your skills and stuff on the pod as well. He knew so who you were. He did. Exactly. Alan Donald knows who you are, Brooksy. Um, which is obvious, you know, like I said, a man with 475 first-class wickets um, and 57 list-day wickets, is it something as well? Maybe more than that, Brooksy. But anyway, his stats. He doesn't even know his own stats, Chris. He's... Were you looking at the batting stats or not? Well, you know what? Well, one first class hundred, we know that. We've not heard the bloody end of that on this podcast series. I'll talk you through it one day, mate. I'll talk you through it one day. Yeah, we'll do a special bumper episode pod for that. Maybe we'll get Donald on to ask the questions about that. How's that? We'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) Get on with it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Let's get on with it. You're right. It's time for White Lightning. Anil Dot. Alan. (laughs) Anil Donald. Anilton Dot. (laughs) <laughs> Alan Donald, who is episode number 41 <laughs> on the Shackles Are Up podcast. Alan Donald. 
Shambo! Uh, 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 that was a shambo. <laughs> You must have a great affinity with England and the county game. Great success at Warwickshire, Warwickshire honing your game, winning trophies. How did it come about in the, the initial move over? Because you'd had loads of success domestically at home. But what made you sort of make that initial step to come and play county cricket? Well, look, I think it's every young man's dream, and, and especially me, uh, when I was in primary school or just going into high school, uh, my my uncle was a, a big subscriber for the, the the cricket magazine and the Wisden magazine, and I, and I just ploughed through those magazines every single day or week or whatever. He had stacks of those things, and um, and I just I, I just kept looking at at who is playing county cricket. And in those days, you know, you're talking about 1985, 86. Um, you know, the likes of Viv Richards, Malcolm Marshall. These are the household names that we used to go. I used to go and sit with the Cronier family and they used to have these videos sent over by Alvin Kalichran. Uh, now, Alvin, Alvin was our, um, uh, Kelly was our overseas player for, for, for Free State. And um, he used to bring over like bags of videos of just, you know, we didn't get any live, you know, d during the, the apartheid era, we, we did not get any live cricket. We, we, we didn't get to watch any live cricket. The only thing that was available to us was to have a look at these magazines and videos and so and and that's where my love for this i'd say one day one day i'd love to go and play county cricket i'm not quite sure where but i would love to play against those guys and then i think it was the 80 uh, 85 86 rebel australians um as they used to call them then kim uses team that came over here very strong side very strong side um I was selected to play the last test, and that was also Graham Pollock's last test match, unofficial test uh, in Port Elizabeth. And um, and 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 I I did okay in that test match. I didn't shoot the lights out, but uh, I was a scrawny, skinny little thing. Not that much changed anyway. But um, I um, was seen running like this stick form type of uh, young, fast, skinny bloke. Um, all over the show, wanting to impress. And uh, I remember after the, 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 the last day, uh, um, there was a guy by the name of uh, David Brown. He was the coach of Warwickshire. Um, and he used to come over to South Africa. And, and, and Warwickshire had this exchange thing with Cricket South Africa back then, where they, they you know, Brian McMillan was there, uh, Anton Ferreira was there, Hugh Page was there. And then he came up to me and asked me whether I was keen to go and play county cricket. And when I heard that, I, you know, would you come? First of all, would you like to come over for a trial? Um, and I said, absolutely, I'd love it. I'd love to come over there. And that 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 was my break. That was my 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 foot into the door, um, you know. And I and I was lucky enough uh, to have had a, a wonderful career with with the Bears. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, being a competitive overseas player. He said, look. There's some great players playing county cricket at that time. You've got to earn your stripes there, AD, haven't you? You've got to really oh, earn your stripes. I was I was right in amongst it, and the you know the the big dogs. Um, my first game was against Hampshire, and that was against the great Malcolm Marshall, the Smith brothers. Um, my word, that they have some players. Uh, we we lost in two and a half days. Uh, Dennis Amos was our captain. And, and bless him back then, I thought it was a little bit over the... He's just gone <laughs> over that little peak there where I've gone, mate, he probably... What's he? Well, he was about 43, I think he was. Um, and I'll never forget sitting in the stands. I, I went to the old scoreboard and, and we were towards the Raybank stand, uh, right on the Raybank stand um, playing uh, Hampshire. And, and we got bowled out for spit and, and Mako took 12 in the game. And I was sat on the other side there, just watching this man just put on a show of the of just he wasn't as quick as he used to be then. He was still sharp and skiddy, but the art of swinging and using the crease for me was the greatest lesson of all. And I was compete I was competing then with 
Tony Merrick, who was our overseas player uh, from Antigua. Um, so we sort of, uh, I started off and then, you know, in about five or six games, I, I, I spent the rest of the time in the second 11 earning my stripes. So, <laughs> um, so back to the second 11 dressing room um, and uh, changing in the indoor, cold indoor centre, uh, you know, so, but th that's just the way it was. And I, I just enjoyed it. I, I didn't think about, did I, was I going to come back next year? I just enjoyed it so much, so much. And when I, you know, when Andy Lloyd said to me, you know, we'd like to offer you a two-year contract, I, I was um, over the moon. And, and, and that was the start of a, a wonderful ride for me with, with, with Warwickshire. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you look now at this sort of county championship and it's, it's you know, it's still very strong. There's lots of players and there's obviously the Colpack system and, and it's, it is very strong. But for you, I'm guessing when you came to play international cricket, having experienced a county championship of that standard, it was, you were ready to hit the ground running, basically, as soon as you could play the test cricket or, or I, might, well, I might be wrong. Absolutely spot on. Um, that was the, the best groundwork that I had to do to play international cricket and, and, and the quality of overseas players that you had there was how can you not be switched on when you play against Viv Richards or Desi Haynes or Gordon Greenwich right at the start. You know, there I was jaw dropping, looking at these guys, this big bloke. And he was a strong fit man, Gordon Greenwich and an imposing figure. Um, you know, but, uh, but just to have had the access to, um, to both Desi Haynes and especially Malcolm Marshall playing for that. I spent a session and a half sitting in Hampshire's dressing room um, while they were fielding and having to listen to just stories of Malcolm Marshall just for a session and a half. It was amazing learning. It really was. And no coach could have, could have taught you anything like that. The, the information that you, that, and the access that you had to, for, for Malcolm Marshall and Richard Hadley in 1987, and, and, and he was sort of the guy that I, I sort of latched onto for for strategy, um, for for how he set people up, how he bowled people out, how what his thoughts were in in fast bowling, his theory and his philosophy about fast bowling was incredible. Um, so that that was just the access that you had, and, and and it was still the old the old share of beer or six, uh, and 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 uh, and someone driving you home. And, and just listening to those stories that those guys had to tell, you know, no coach could have taught you anything like those people were because the best, the, the best time you learned about the game was in the opposition change room. And, and that was priceless. Absolutely priceless. Yeah. Brooksy. Yeah. I was going to say Brooksy. AJ as a coach, obviously if your career has gone full circle now, now you're imparting your much wisdom onto the next generation. Do you try and encourage the chats with the uh, the opposition. Do you think it's gone out of the game a little bit? What to to after after the game after yeah. the day's play? Yeah, with that we we still do that. We we try and take their cell phones away from them, uh, <laughs> and 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 that dominates. And, and and I've seen it. You know where where I've been in the in in the in the modern day, the game is that right now we say right, uh, guys, phones in the box. Uh, after the day's play, whatever happens, we're going to cross. Obviously, COVID is 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 now put a, a, a big halt to that, so it's, it's not going to happen. But um, but now we, we say, foes in the box, boys, we're going to have a drink. We're going to share some knowledge. Uh, you, you, you only have to stay for an hour. Um, so we still try and keep that tradition as it is because uh, the guys, all they they you know they they come to work in the morning. Um, Come the ding dong bell rings and you're off and in the shower and off you go. I understand it's long days, you know, um, but they don't get any better than out here when it's 34 degrees and uh, you can share a beer afterwards, you know. So um, we try and still keep that tradition. Yes. Yeah, good. The uh, castle's too good not to have after a long day. In the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do have it on tap now, so we have got a players' bar downstairs now. So it's uh, dangerous. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I didn't organize say that, that. But anyway. Did you organize that? <laughs> did, did you organize that? Um, I certainly did. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've been a I've been a, a South African breweries ambassador for a very long time. So uh, um, it all started as a joke in 2003 World Cup when I said to them that um, you know, would it be possible to have a draft machine in my house? And I, I you know, and, and that's never moved. <laughs> 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 
so uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's been wonderful, uh, you know, to, to come home at five in the afternoon and just go squee and off you go, you know. So yeah, it's a great time still. <laughs> you were basically... Yeah, go on, Brooksy, yeah, so go on. I was going to say, just finally on that castle thing, I've got something to own up to because, um, like, you grew up watching the likes of um, Lily and Hadley and those boys um, and Malcolm Marshall, obviously legends of the game, but I grew up in the 90s watching UAD and it's just a bit of a fanboy moment, me here, talking <laughs> to you. And um, sur quite surreal and, and funny is... Um, I've got one of your testimonial beer cans at home from your 99 benefit year of Warwickshire. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. My old man, who's a decent umpire, umpired your benefit game at Banbury Cricket Club. You probably won't remember it. Yes, I do. I've actually got your autograph and one of those beer cans from the game. Wow. I did not know that, though. You must have been a little weenie man. I, well, I was, I was small anyway, but I was, yeah, probably about 14 or 15 back then. And I love wow. cricket. The old man got lucky to umpire your, I think he did yours and someone else's the year after at Banbury. But um, he said he had a couple of memories from the game. One of them was you came on to bowl. I think you were coming back from injury. And uh, you bowled about three balls. And then uh, I think, yeah, I think it was you or Ashley Charles bowled a couple of balls and then just walked off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the memories of that day were slightly vivid, but I, I do remember the Banbury game. Uh, it was a, a very shortened benefit year, that's for sure. Straight after the uh, the World Cup um, disaster um, in '99, I, I remember that very well. I only had four months really of of, of uh, getting some stuff done, um, and then we sort of split that benefit year from England to to South Africa. Um, so. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a it was a fantastic time to have a benefit while the World Cup was on in in the UK. Um, you know that opening night in London was was un, was surreal. It was unbelievable. One of the best nights I've ever had with so many unbelievable people in that room. Um, you know, so uh, um, it was a it was a. I was hoping that the the World Cup would turn out a little bit better uh, for for us, and and the benefit would have tasted a lot sweeter. Um, but uh, it didn't turn out to be that way. But uh, there you go. Life goes on. You were, um, look, I, I, we'll come back to sort of that famous week in 91 when you go to India and there's, you know, 100,000 people turning up at the stadium in just a, you know, just a moment. But uh, look, you were the fastest bowler in the world for many years, right? And Brooksy, I'm sure you've got loads of technical questions on this kind of stuff. You know way more about fast bowling than me and Millard <laughs> do. But um <sighs> Nowadays, there's all the measurements and the fitness testing and there's the stretching and the sort of the diet and all that. Were you a bit ahead of the curve? Because it, you must have been to be able to maintain that for such a long period of time. Well, the 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 culture that we had uh, in the free state has always been fitness first. And, and that was driven by Hansi Cronier, um and the coach, Corey Fonsell. And And I think if it wasn't for that, I, I don't know how I would have turned out to be in, and because that was part of our DNA. Um, it was, and we still have that. We still have some of the best fitness results in the country. Uh, and yes, the game has gone very scientific now. Um, and, and, and back, back in the day where the players used to enjoy a beer afterwards and have fun. And, and as much as you in, enjoy relaxing, um, county cricket, I've, I absolutely realized very early on that if I, if I had to play or make a long career out of county cricket, there's fitness was going to be the key for me. Um, so I had to balance between, because you finish the South African season and you're straight into a county season. And back then in 87, 9, 87, 88, 9 till 90 odd, you played 24 three-day games. Then you had your Sunday league and you had a Benson and Edges and an Atwest. And it was just ridiculous how many competitions there were. And sometimes you play it, you play two of the three days. That's how stupid it was. You play two of the three days, you're in Hampshire, you've got to drive to Somerset on a Saturday after the day's play, play a Sunday league match, drive back to Hampshire, finish a one day, finish off the three-day game. And that's how stupid it was. Um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen every week, um, but um, 
but but look to come back to that fitness thing i, I had to find a way and, and it was hansi cronier introduced me to a guy at uni, at the university where we had to balance out my fitness during a south african season where it was it was peaking at the start then leveling out in the middle and then peaking at the back end to be fit for an english county season and i had to replicate that and just try and stay as close to that fitness uh, um uh, 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 regime in a county season as well so that I can just have that balance of coming back and doing it again uh, so I, I look if you ask me how I did it I, I, I simply don't know but I think fitness fitness and 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 getting stronger and uh, and getting mentally stronger was a big issue it, it, it's you know I was just blessed that I was lucky I was elasticated I was I, I could I enjoyed stretching uh, I enjoyed doing shuttle runs not so much a 5k or 2k 3k time trial specialist i was not a zola bud um so uh <laughs> from a long distance or middle distance or short distance running i wasn't really uh, a, a a super athlete but um but trust me that fitness was a big key in, in county cricket it really was and and we all know how many overs we rack up there um it's 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 imperative that you just stay on top of it yeah um look let's talk about India, when the you know you, the South Africa team returns to the international fold, you're obviously spearheading the attack. Five first in on the, in the first match, wasn't it in the ODI in front of? I mean, you describe the scenes there because I mean it's like a real baptism of fire, that wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we didn't know what to expect when we arrived in India. Um, the two days before the the game. That just the way we were welcomed in India was unbelievably special. Um, thousands of people lining the, the streets from Calcutta airports. And um, and then we had a training session, the first session, and walking into Eden Gardens was, uh, was wow. It was just, I couldn't believe the size of the place. Um, and they said to us that uh, two days before, they said to us that the stadium can take over 100,000 people and it'll be full on Saturday. Um, well, there was 107,000 people, as a matter of fact, when Clive, oh, Rice, when Clive Rice walked out uh, and we were told just to go to the centre of the wicket and, and basically say thank you to all the, the, the people. And, um, and, and the noise was just unreal. It was, you know, it was in your face. And we thought, if this is international cricket, then um, we slightly feel intimidated. Not a ball has been bowled yet, but to see all the <laughs> sea of people... Uh, and of course, Jimmy Cook gets the first baller of Capital uh, uh, Dev, um, gets caught gully first ball. And you think, what a start. What a start. <laughs> Welcome to international cricket. Um, but the way, it, you know, we, we, I think we were sort of, as much as we wanted to impress and win a game, we were also not worried about the outcome. It was just about just enjoy, just enjoy being in India. Uh, the, the honeymoon period, as Kepler Vessel said, uh, just in just embrace what we're seeing here, what we're experiencing here, and 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 then, you know, I think even even more so that Pfeiffer that I took that day was a, a great start to an international career. It was an amazing atmosphere, and you know, when I think that you, I don't know if you guys have been to India or watched the Test match there, but it's it's a it's a hundred thousand versus eleven. Um, where you're on the park and, and Tendulkar's strokes run through the inner ring and the explosion of the noise is just incredible. Um, you know, so yeah, great experience to start with. Oh, I can imagine. Amazing. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. Sean Pollock and yourself, what a partnership for so long as well. What was, what was the method? Did you have a method? Did you discuss things? Were you close pals off the field? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the dynamic at all. Yeah, we, we became a, an instant, um, shall I say, uh, a partnership. Um, you know, what Sean brought, and I, I had to understand his role, um, you know, know his game pretty well, um, what he brings and bowling with him and how that bowling partnership works. Um, because Sean quickly was our Glenn McGraw that locked people away, bowls very close to the stumps, just bowls stump to stump with a bit of shape and you can express yourself at the other end so the game really is in lockdown at the other end where you can express yourself in terms of pace um you know i think i think we it's fair to say that i we we experience a very special relationship between me and sean 
it was it was a it was a great understanding between the two of us. Um, we we planned well, you know, in team meetings. We often used to Bob Woolman used to break the, um, the, the 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 groups up into small groups where Al, you and Sean go and discuss how you're going to get out n- number one to four, um, and and that's your role. You guys need to feedback to the team of how you're going to bowl to Atherton or Border or, or whoever it is. Um, that, so it was always it was also what we didn't have when Bob Woolman came in. And, and I think what we we, we we sort of take him now to into our coaching, and especially my coaching, having learned from Bob Woolmer, was that he quickly handed the responsibilities over to and he, and, he, and he sussed out the leadership. Who was your leadership group? Alan, you're the you're the leader of the of the bowling group. You take care of it. You and Sean, you run that for us. Uh, Hansi Cronier, Jack Callis, young Jack Callis, uh, you look after Jack. That's your that's your role. Um, Hansi, look after Jack. You know so. As quickly she quickly quickly establishing the little pockets of leadership, um, and also then your role was to feed back to the batting group and the team of how we're going to do things. And I think that's how I like to do things because I think the modern day player these days now, they they are very quick not to wanting to take that responsibility. Um, you know, whatever the coach says, if, if, if things go south, but that's what the coach says. So, you know, so, so I think what Bob did so beautifully was to, was to get that in place and that leadership and that quality in place that we, and that's where me and Sean really latched on to each other, you know, um, really well. It became really good mates uh, on and off the pitch and, and also at, at that bowling partnership that everyone talks about. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask on that? Like, I find it fascinating, the, the mindset of a fast bowler, obviously trying to be one myself for the last 12, 13 <laughs> years. Um, obviously not as nowhere near as quick as you were, as good as you were. Uh, but when I came into the pro game at sort of 24, a bit later, one of the first things I was told was to um, sort of make yourself into an imposing figure because it's not a contact sport. If you've got any sort of pace or anything about, you need to try of get in the game a little bit. And David Capel sort of instilled that into me as, you know, to put some confidence into me as well. I was just wondering... Where did you get your sort of on sort of fiery on field personality from? Was it something that was natural to you? Was it something that you had to to work on? Uh, was it something that you you know you really because you looked like you really enjoyed it as well? That's what it looked it did. pretty natural as well. Yeah. Did me to someone like you was um, obviously a skillful, very quick, good bowler, but also somebody who had bags of on field personality as well. Yeah, um, I have to say, Brooksy, that 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 natural instinct, that natural competitiveness. Um, the, the absolute desire to smash an opponent came within. Uh, and, I, and I mean I mean that, it, it, I don't think you can coach that. I don't right. think you can take, we've got a youngster here now, uh, uh, Gerald Coutier, he's 19 years old, he's bowls 150. Um, he is exactly like that. He's an absolute puppy off the field. Nice guy. Brett Lee, when I got to know Brett Lee, Brett Lee exactly the same. He steps across that rope. He switches another. He flicks another switch, and 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 it's just that ultra competitive hunger to succeed and to whatever's in front of you, you will deal with. You know how to deal with that, but it's also it's just never ever to to back down out of a contest. And and I think that I would like to think that that was came naturally to me. It was a, it was a I just wanted to compete so badly and wanted to beat an opponent so badly um, that I it just it just makes you not want to go away. Um, but to take someone and try and say, I, I, I honestly feel that it needs to come out of you in a natural way. A lot of other guys, like Mornay Morkel, for instance, we could not teach him that. We could not find that mongrel in him that say, Mornay, please, can you please bowl a bumper? <laughs> you know, so, but he got better. He, he got better because... He was a bit more of a, and me understanding Mornay when I was with the Proteas was Mornay would always, and understanding the individual, say, Coach, but just give me half an hour of your, your, of your best, your technical best. And that was him. So giving that techni- technicality first, then take him to a place where he can compete not only in the nets first, but then the, the, the confidence that he takes from there into a test match was I am technically sound 
I feel brilliant. I walk today from that 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 net today. I feel a hundred percent. That's unfortunately how Mornay thought about himself because he had to feel good about himself. About himself. But boy, when he got into a contest and it was him and I think Michael Clark at Newlands when he absolutely lambasted him all over his body <laughs> uh, for like three four overs. That was great, great TV. But I think yeah, I mean look, I I, I think that comes within Ambrose Walsh. Those guys, you look at them. Uh, Craig McDermott, um, uh, a Cummins of this world, uh, Mark Wood, just all that kind of stuff that it, it just unleashes from inside. Do you still have that hunger and desire as a coach or is it different now you're in a backseat role or do you still have that real want to win? Never, it will never never go away. It will <laughs> never go away. But, but you've got to watch how you trade as a coach. I, I think the modern day coaching has changed in a big way. Um, I, I just think if you coach with authority, you're signing your own death warrant. Um, if you if you think you're going to be this guy that enforces all this, all this who and ha and boo and bar and whatever it is, you're in the wrong place. Um, and you can't coach with authority. That is one thing is, you know, so uh, today is about empowering the players. It's about giving those players the confidence to say, you know what, it's, you don't have to worry about what I think up there because I've, I've been in that position where coaches, you know, when you bowl two wise in a row and you look up there and Kepler vessel standing at first slip like this and, and the teapot's thrown and you look at the dressing room and the coach is going like that. <laughs> this puts the fear of God in you, you know, it's just, cannot believe this bloke can't land two balls in the straight plate and in and, and, and the same place, you know, that sort of thing. So, there's a lot of fear amongst youngsters today. They, and, and the fear comes from, am I still going to have a job if I don't perform? If I don't make 100 or take Pfeiffer, um, am I going to still be in the team for the next game? Um, there's, so there's no consistency. There's no process. Um, am I, am I going to be okay? You know, he, he goes home thinking today I didn't perform well. But in the meantime, he, he rocks up every day. He, he shuts his car door, walks in the change room. He just comes there with fear. So my role is to make sure there's no fear. And the constant message for me driving at home is, guys, go and do your stuff and you don't have to worry about what I think. So, and that's how you, and, and, and I think that it shifts, it, all that negativity and the fear shifts from you're never going to have a team performances. You're always going to have individual performances. And the culture that you're trying to establish for what we, we're trying to do here. Is, is going to go out the window. So, um, so I think so far it's gone nicely. That you know you've got a nice bunch of relaxed guys, and, and guys are playing a, a, a good brand of cricket at the moment. So, so there's an art to coaching now, and, and we can go about it for, for hours. But I think I think it's a real skill now to be able to to go and create something that is, is a winning brand. But what is that winning brand? How difficult is it though? If you've got external pressures, so in, in international cricket, it's not necessarily just the coach who's making you nervous and putting you on edge. It's also the whole country, isn't it? And you've seen it a little bit with the South African side, well, a, a year ago when we were out there and obviously Duplessis was under pressure. And it it might not have been, he might have had the best coach in the world and he might have had the best advice and he might feel really comfortable when he's training. But you've got the press then. How how does that differ then? Because that is that's a completely different ball game. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of our rugby is obviously our, our big sport in the country. Uh, cricket's not a, a close is is a very close second, and then football in this country is, is huge amongst um, amongst amongst our our, our country. Um, and then the press just sits on your neck all day long. And I think if you guys think you've got a bad in England, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's an ongoing thing that will never go away. This, I think it's pretty much the same as Australia. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's, they expect success. Um, and it's and it's just, you know, we're sitting in a position now where I think uh, Mark Boucher and his team and, and, and what we have in young cricketers mixed with some experience and Faf Duplessis' uh, calmness and, and leadership in the group there. You've got a young captain in, in Quinny de Kock who's learning his trade. Um, and we're in a t we're a team in transition. 
Um, and, and, and so is all our cricket in this country. There's a lot of young cricketers at the moment here um, that, uh, and I tell you what, from a, from a batting point of view, and all of a sudden spinners are popping up from nowhere, um, the fast bowling stocks are not so, not so hot at the moment. Um, you know, from, a, from just looking around the first-class circuit. Um, but that's just the added thing about it's been in our, in our sport for absolute, well, do I say years and years and years, uh, where the pressure is unrelenting. Um, so, yes, you know, every day you know, every time I went out there for South Africa, not only are you presenting your family, but you're presenting the whole, the, the whole country, but also... <laughs> You, you're sort of thinking, you know, you're on a big stage now. If, if, if you've got to act out something really special here to get another, another, another go, um, you know. And I guess that's that's what what international cricket brings is that every single time you get up there, you know, the country expects, the press expects, and all they want is quality. There's no compromise. There's no compromise. It's just you got to deal with it, and you got to try and. You know, try to make the best of it uh, as possible. Now, I, I, if I'm allowed, Greggy, I don't know if it's on your schedule, but yeah, you go for spoke it. about pressure. You spoke about Atherton. <laughs> we had the pleasure and the privilege of having Jack Russell on the podcast not so long ago. And I think you know where I'm going with this, Alan. But what are, what are your memories from that famous test match and obviously that famous battle with Atherton? The one in Joburg or the one in uh, Trent Bridge? The, the one in Joburg to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it was a, wow, what a, what a knock. And um, Jack Russell, what an irritating little man he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know he would laugh. If he was sitting here looking at me now, he would laugh. Uh, he, he, was, he did a perfect job of annoying the living daylights out of people, and he did it brilliantly. Um, and uh, I remember we, we, we dropped Atherton on, on 100 that last morning uh, at Short Lake. And then um, it was about just before tea, I think, Russell, or just after lunch, Russell came in and uh, just, just get, you know, you, you think it's just a matter of time before you knock him over. Someone's going to make a mistake. <laughs> we had Clive Eckstein bowls, 60-odd overs, didn't pick up one pole. Um Merrick Pringle dropped, uh, he dropped Jack, he punched one back at him, second new ball, and he dropped him, caught and bowled. That's probably why Merrick never played again. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, um, it was, it, and as, the, as the, you're sort of after tea, and you know there's almost 15 overs to go in the, in the day, and things are now starting to stretch out big time, you know. So, and Jack was just a perfect foil for, for Athers. Um, just kept. Leave. He's got that horrible little leave, sort of play and miss leave that you think he's just playing miss that, but he hasn't. And then he'd take one on the body and sort of smile at you with his dark glasses on. Um, and uh, you know, Brian McMillan even asked him. He says, "Why are you so private behind those glasses? You're so annoying. You know, <laughs> just take them off so we can see what's behind those 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 glasses." And um, and then that smirk of Jack Russell, and he just said to me, he said to me, "I'll send you the painting of this test match. I'll send you one of those, and you can relive this pain you're going through right now." <laughs> and uh, look, it was a, it was an awesome it was an awesome contest. Uh, walking up those stairs, and, and and I just look at all the England players at their dressing room as they were going in their high fives. It was like a win. I think the similar thing happened in, at Manchester in 1998 uh, when, when England drew that test match at, at Manchester that followed on to the, the duel between me and, and Athers uh, when we couldn't bowl England out twice. Um, at, at, and, and the same thing, that joy, that it was a hell of a test series. We should have, we should have nailed it. We, we won at Lords. We should have. One at Man Manchester, I don't think England would have come back at Trent Bridge the way they did. And that Trent Bridge fight was just one of the best. Uh, I wouldn't say one of the best. It's, it's the best contest I've ever been involved in with one-on-one -on -one with someone. Um, you know, when you, when, you, when you don't even realise what the crowd says or do or, or scream and shout, it's, it's just that I cannot, you could not wait for the next six to rock up there and 
fire some rockets down and uh, and you hope that Athens is going to make a mistake um and 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 I think that just the way he handled that just the way he handled that whole thing was just sublime you know he just never took you his eyes off whoever was giving him who was ever giving it all that um and 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 everyone the camera's on you um and you watch those replays of me talking to Athers or just saying something very subtle. And I never spoke to an Afrikaans with him, never to this day that I abuse him in Afrikaans. I'll just want to put that on the table. Yeah. It was flat out in English. Um, but what they, what they didn't say, what they didn't show it in there was the amount of noise that was coming from cover, short leg, square leg, uh, that Athers was had to deal with as well. But, um, and then, of course, the drop catch with Nasser Hussain, he just put the icing on the cake. And that was just, you think, this is it. This cannot be happening. Um, but what a, what a contest to save um, I, I just respect, absolute respect. And to be able to sit down on a step there, he brought uh, six beers up there and we sat there and he gave me his glove. And he said, have that for your benefit year. <laughs> you know, massive, red, massive red mark on the, uh, on, on the glove. Um, and and he was never he was never going to walk for that, and quite rightly so. He, 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 and how we handled it afterwards, I take my hat off to that. Yeah, it was it was, grip, it was gripping to watch. I remember obviously being a, a kid then, but even now, if there's any footage of it which comes up quite often on Sky, on a rainy day or on a on a different highlights program, I'll just sit and watch that. It's it's incredible, and you were like a man possessed, and it was. It was. I don't know what you were saying. Obviously, you said you weren't abusing him. But, um, <laughs> I whispered a few stuff. things. Uh, you know, it was just in the net. There was a lot of other words that I would never ever repeat on this uh, podcast. So, um, not to mention the little snippets on the way back at non-striker, non-strikers end that um, you know that uh, we just had a chat and he sort of just smiled at me. Um, he never said a word back. Not a word. Not a word. It was just a stare. It was almost. Go back to your mark. Go try again. Yeah. That was it. That was a message you get. See you later. Go try again. And he, you know, if it's dodging bullets from all, all, all you know, but the next day we were done. We were, we, we were pretty much done. Um, but uh, it was, it was an awesome. You know, I'm just I keep saying a lot of the guys now keep saying to me, you know, you know, what was it like? How did you handle it? You know, that that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it's very much entrenched in a lot of people's memories of what happened there that day. Yeah. Well, you know, we look. You look now, and there's the likes of Joffre Archer, and he had that amazing spell against Steve Smith in the Ashes a couple of years ago. Did you see? Did you see that AD, the Joffre Archer spell? Yeah. I mean, you look at bowlers like that, Mark Wood. Elsewhere, you've got you know little skinny bowl. You know, like people all around the world. There's some fantastic bowlers. Who would you look at? Most fondly, who do you look at? And you think there's a bit of Alan Donald in them? Who who, who do you look at? Currently, yeah. I um, I think uh, the guy that I, I I would say when I go a little bit back, I, I I saw Brett Lee that was a little bit like that. Um, I love Woody. I think Woody is a is a great competitor. Jeez, he'd, he'd break ankles to 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 knock people over. Um. um I would say uh, uh, Pat Cummins as well uh, has got some, you know, he's got something, you know, um, it's just that I, I would say Brett Lee was a mean character. I mean, and I say that with great respect. Brett Lee was, I don't think, we always talk about batting at the tail against genuine quicks. And Brett Lee, I reckon, was the meanest against the tail enders. He was messy. Um, you know, he hit two of our guys, uh, Mackay and Tini. He could not have smashed the badge more central in front <laughs> because Mackay and Tini was backing away outside leg stump and he came round the wicket and I thought, oh, my word, here we go. Yeah, this is it. This is it. And he hit him square in front, just there. And Mackay just picked a bat and threw it back to him. And um, But... I think I think Brett Lee had that mean streak in him, and 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 I think uh, a guy like Mark Wood uh, and, and a Cummins today, I think Stark is Stark is he's all right, but uh, I think Cummins for me, those two guys, uh, and Archer, Archer's got a he's got that West Indies death look, hasn't he? He's got that stare, he's got you know doesn't say much, but boy, that little smile and smirk will look out. 
he he is he, he can hunt you down he's got every skill in the world to be able to do that yeah i think well, south africa at the minute with rabada and amrik nokia have got potential for it to be a special opening partnership for a long time haven't they definitely yeah nokia has come from nowhere in fact i mean he's been on the radar now for for five years or so uh, he's done really well in first class cricket has got a has got a lovely uncomplicated action um you know it's just he's got this action that just just shouts out effortless pace um you know he's uh, he um he's a good kid you know he's one of those as well doesn't say much does has a bit of a stare and a glare uh, but I think him and him and uh, and, and Rabada definitely is a, is a, is a, is, is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, hopefully in in the years to come. I, I don't want to uh, put two and two together here, but I know that England are recruiting for a fast bowling coach, and personally, I would love to see Ad working with a young Joffrey Archer ahead of an Ashes tour. Jack Callis has just come over. Is there a chance we might see you in England colours soon? <laughs> Jeez, what sort of a pressure question is that? I was going to say, who's the journo in this in this podcast? Plumbing X, fantastic. Look, I've had I, I've had uh, the taste of working uh, with England. I've had uh, the taste of uh, four months. I spent with um, I think in two thousand and seven uh, with Peter Moores. I really enjoyed that. Um, I had a great opportunity then uh, when a two year contract was handed down to me to work with England then. And, and I just, I just couldn't do it because of, uh, my little boy, uh, you know, he wasn't, wasn't well at that point. So I had, I, there's no, it would have been a selfish thing to do. Um, you know, as chances come and go, uh, you know, jobs come and go. Um, um, I, as I've always loved working in the UK, I really do. Um, you know, I had a stint at Kent and I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but, um, Hey, but yeah, maybe you can put a good good word in for me. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll find a good candidate for that. Uh, um, there's no question about it. Do you think it's any coincidence that Jack Callis has just come to the England setup and Rooty can't stop scoring runs? <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, if there is ever the most chilled individual that oh, there's England just lost the wicket. Oh my goodness. Um, out, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, look, I think he'd be a magnificent asset to the England batting. Um, if he does get given a long, long stint, I don't know how it works. And I think these days, um, international teams hire consultants on a short basis uh, uh, um, stints. And uh, I, think, I think it's very healthy for the game to have a guy on the outside who thinks a bit differently, um, something that the players are not used to. Um, I really think that's really, really cool to have a guy like Jacques Callis and just his calm way of explaining about batting. Um, maybe we all thought sometimes batting comes too easy for Jacques and, and he doesn't have to think about it or overthink about it. And that he genuinely was. And to see a bloke who scored obscene runs and taken a lot of wickets lie on the floor with his eyes closed before he goes into bat and not watch the TV, lie in the change room, for a, and he just said 12, he must just give him a kick and he's and he's up and he's going. So that was Jacques Callas. So by the way, um, to see him just earlier and, and sitting there in England colours, you know, so I think it's I think it's damn healthy for the game to have a guy like that in just even if it's a short period. Um, and it's great sharing, something new is refreshing. Um, you know, so well done in England for for for, for, for doing that. Is he one of the most underrated cricketers ever? Underrated? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, he's yeah. got, he's got to be, he, hasn't he? He's incredible. Um, I still remember his first first Test match at the MCG when um, uh, when these Australians surrounded him, and of course they'll all tell you that it's a test, a massive test of someone's character, and they're going to test your character. They want to see what's inside you, how big or small your heart is, and the way that Callis shut all that down. Um, was phenomenal. He got a hundred, and he got a hundred, just over a hundred not out, and we managed to draw the game at the MCG. Um, was a was an unbelievable effort, and that's that's how he announced himself. That was just going to be, you know, this kid. Whatever he did, you throw him the ball. We heard so many times that he was the reluctant bowler. I can tell you, he certainly wasn't a reluctant bowler because he could bowl serious wheels, 
99 World Cup against Sri Lanka, something pissed him off. And um, he rocked up and he, uh, he came in the change room at Northampton and he said to Hansi, I want the ball. I want the new ball. And he bowled 150 with serious shape and he blew away the top order and threw the ball back and he said, my job's done. Whoever that bloke was, he's gone now. I don't need to bowl him. But, uh, um, but that's his capability. We, we were spoiled. We had two cricketers in one and we were very, very blessed to have had Jack Callis in our system. And, and what to have played with him and to have shared a dressing room with him as a coach, that was, that was just, you know, you'll treasure that forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on, go on. Alan, as it's a Barmy Army podcast, I'm, I must ask the question, what are your memories? It was an early Barmy Army when, when you were playing, but what are your memories from the, the early Barmy Army in, in the days that you were um, battling out against England? <laughs> Depends where you are. Um, so if you're in England, you get abuse. No, no. If you're in England, they're actually quite kind to you. Um, but if you're in South Africa and they're in South Africa, boy, oh boy, watch out. Watch out. I'm never downing a beer again at Fine Lake. Um, <laughs> I remember at Newlands, and, I, and we shouldn't be saying this, but that was a good old days. But they, they were selling these. There was a guy with a half pint. And uh, it was a long afternoon. We were in Cape Town. It was it was really really hot. Um, I ca- came down there and they were singing something about the '99 World Cup. Alan dropped his bat. Something um, you, you guys might know that tune very very well actually. And I walked down there and I sort of clapped him. And this guy handed he stuck his hand out with half a pint. I grabbed it off him, sculled it. <laughs> and it was the best thing that I've never thought anything could taste as good as that. <laughs> and they were I was I was absolutely the legend for the next four days five days it, uh, well for the next test anyway um yeah. coming down there it was, it was look they 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 provide nothing but fun humor and I think that's what South Africans like about the, the Barmy Army not only can they drink beer um uh, <laughs> but also boy they have fun they they uh, you can't get in hotels and bars because there's football on so, um, and it's just a, I think it's a wonderful concept. It's what, it's a, the only country in the world that has such a magnificent support base. And, uh, I know Gossy very well, Matt Goss, course, got yeah. to know him and, 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 and Kent, uh, in 2018, what a, what a hoot he is, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and of course the man who leads them all with a flag, I, I forgot what his name is now guys. So, um, um Vic, yeah, of course. Man, does he have a mess? He's got the biggest tank in the world I've ever seen. He's just in, incredible, that man. <laughs> no, they're um, they're, they're absolutely um, incredible people, shall we say. That they're, they're certainly a certain type to come on tour and support the team all over the world. All the money goes towards supporting England, but we love South Africans, we love New Zealanders, we love Sri Lankans. But you know who we. The affinity that we share is our hatred towards the Aussies, and I know we share it well with the South Africans and, and probably yourself. <laughs> uh, you're a good bunch, I'll give you that. You're a good bunch. I do, I do, I do enjoy the bombing army. They, they, they're a fantastic lot. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. For you, AD, then now, I mean, look, you know, where's, where's your coaching career going to take you? Because you must have aspirations for you know, various things. You've obviously done the franchise stuff. You've you've had a taste of the IPL. Um, how is all that? I mean, it's a, it's a completely different world. And, uh, hey, you'd have loved that, wouldn't you? You'd have loved a bit of IPL action if it was around when you were playing. <laughs> Look, I've had a front row seat in many change rooms and, and um, I've always been sort of labelled as a as a specialist bowling coach. And now that I'm in charge of, of the, the VKB Knights um, as the head coach, it's something that I've, been wanting to do for a very, very long time. It's always that horrible process of going through an interview just to be told, sorry, but you know, you almost know what's coming, your experience, your lack of experience as a head coach. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much experience you have as a player um, or as a specialist coach, but also um, can we trust you to do a job as a head coach? And, and, and this is my first go at it, you know, so um, but to have had access to so many dressing rooms, and especially the IPL. Um, I've had five, five seasons there, three with RCB, uh, two with uh, disastrous Pune Warriors. Um, but RCB, 
you can, you know, the, the amount of knowledge that comes in that change room. And it's not necessarily the coaches. You learn more from the players that come through there than any other coach. Uh, you share a lot with coaches. You share a lot. But boy, if once you start listening to a Shane Watson or a Virat Kohli um, um, or a Steve Smith, uh, and, you, and you listen to about their philosophies and, and how the game should go forward and what they might try differently about batting or, 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 or just whatever it may be, man, your, your jaw drops. Onto, and especially a guy like Steve Smith and how he talks about the game because coaching manuals have got nothing on him. Um, and it just shows you that a guy who's, this, who's that successful um, and the way he bats and the way he plays his cricket and his mindset towards facing what's coming down at him is frightening. It's frightening what, what he says can be done and where he could hit the ball in any, 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 any uh, well, any pockets in the field. So, um, but also with Virat Kohli as well. I mean, I've never seen, and I've, I've always had admiration for this bloke. Um, and when I first got to meet him in 2015, 14, sorry, um, when, when he became captain, took over the captaincy at RCB, I don't, you see international creators work hard, but this guy is beyond obsessed uh, with success. And, and, and you remember the conversation he had about Indian cricket and where he wants to take Indian test cricket, because he's, he just said, from now on, if, if you want to play for India, you're going to be fit. You're going to be strong. You're going to be mentally strong. And you're going to meet a certain fitness criteria, which, which I don't think, and with all due respect, haven't seen in an Indian team. But he wants to be judged on an Indian team winning away from home. He said, we know, we can play in our sleep, we can play in India and roll over teams. And now they've proven in Australia what a resilient bunch they are with so many players injured and with his leadership that they they didn't even have his leadership for only one test. Um, but the way they fronted up to that Australian barrage was, that is just complimentary, yeah. uh, absolutely. It was a, you know, so, but, but, but I mean, it's, it's a wonderful world, a wonderful access as coaches we have now and the sharing that goes on around the world. And, and it's, you know, you just, you've got notebooks that you write full of stuff, you know. So it's, it's a great experience. It has been. Yeah. Hey, we wish you all the best with it. Is there anything else, lads, you want to ask Alan before we uh, let him go? He's given us, you know, so much time. So um, anything else, lads? Or have we co- I mean, we've covered everything, haven't we, really? I could yeah. ask him. Mate, but it'll probably have to be over a bar in a bar over a beer. <laughs> sorry, I, I just I just lost you there, guys, and you just went all frozen. I didn't know what you said. Sorry. Oh, it's a good job, really. No, we're only kidding. <laughs> who's uh, <laughs> who's uh, yeah? Bro- Brooksy, I think would like to ask you lots more questions, but I think it'll probably be over a beer. So um, next time you're oh, over okay. here, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. Alan, thanks so much for your time. Um, it was great picking your brains and really good of you to talk to us on the Barmy Army Shackles or Off podcast. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Very it. Very kind, Thank Alan. for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Cheers. See you soon. All the best. Podcast Network.